Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Dean Waldman will join us to discuss states' care and market-based medicine. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science show. Well, the United States healthcare system is struggling. Joining us today to discuss this issue is Dr. Dean Waldman. Dr. Waldman was chief of pediatric cardiology at the Children's Hospital of San Diego, University of Chicago, and the University of New Mexico. He was also the director of the Center for Healthcare Policy at Tex Public Policy Foundation and a member of the board of directors of New Mexico Health Insurance Exchange. Dr. Waldman is now Professor Emeritus of Pediatrics, Pathology, and Decision Science. He has penned the new book, Curing the Cancer in U.S. Healthcare, States Care and Market-Based Medicine, and he joins us today to discuss this very fascinating issue. Dr. Waldman, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. It's my pleasure to be here. Certainly are regarding the U.S. healthcare system. Why you decided to put this book together? I have spent, uh, well, now over half a century being a physician, and I love taking care of my babies, babies with heart disease, because I was a pediatric cardiologist. But the problem was, much as I enjoyed the caring for the children, the system in which I worked was a royal pain in the you-know-what, and everybody else was there, doctors, nurses, therapists, we all felt the same way, which is the system doesn't help us. So I began to look at the system as though it were a sick patient, and the first thing you do with a patient is you make a diagnosis of the cause of illness. And when I did that, I discovered what's really wrong with our healthcare system, which is not political at all. This is not a political uh, book or statement whatsoever. And so I used all my MBA knowledge to diagnose patient healthcare system, and then uh, once you have the diagnosis, you actually know what to do to cure them. So that's what this book is. It is a diagnosis and a treatment plan for a sick patient, and the sick patient's name is U.S. Healthcare. The diagnosis, as you put it, is somewhat dire. That's why it came up with that diagnosis. It, it, it is the diagnosis, and the diagnosis is cancer. If you think about what a cancer is, a cancer is a, a normal cell that has gotten out of control and starts growing and growing and growing, and it takes all the energy that the rest of the cells need, and it just keeps growing and growing until literally the patient dies. Well, the cancer we have, the healthcare system has, is the federal bureaucracy. The federal bureaucracy now takes almost half, repeat, half of all healthcare spending in the United States. In other words, over a trillion dollars of healthcare spending produces no care. And so I say, hey, if we have a cancer, we know what to do with a cancer. You cut it out. And so that's what both diagnosis, cancer, and the treatment cut it out, 
is all about. How do you remove something which is so inextricably linked with the healthcare system? You said something very important there. It is, it is inextricably linked, but it shouldn't be, and we should extricate it. If you think about what healthcare, the service, the relationship, the, the provision of care is, it's really very simple. It's one doctor and one patient, and it is a commercial, contractual relationship and the problem is that this whole structure that has evolved to control us and to control us doctors and to control you, the patient, has evolved to a point where it practices medicine and we don't. And we need to get back to that simple relationship, which is a patient goes to a doctor, a patient gets advice and care and so forth and surgery if necessary, whatever, and then the patient pays the doctor. Now, before somebody's going to say, well, wait a minute, I can't possibly afford It's too expensive. Healthcare is too expensive. I can't afford it. Let me just stop right there. That, that second part of the title, the first part, curing the cancer, well, the second part in U.S. healthcare, the second part is market-based medicine and states care. Well, market-based medicine is simply saying the patient controls where his or her healthcare dollars go, not the federal government or the insurance company. And you go, well, I can't afford my care. Excuse me. Last year, the average American family spent 28000 repeat, $28,166 on healthcare costs most of which went to insurance companies, either directly or to the federal government as an insurance company for 130 million of us. So my point is, well, what if the patients controlled that $28,000 that they were already spending instead of somebody else, a third party, deciding where that money goes? So if you're a healthy family, which the majority are, thank God, you've got $28,000 you can put in an HSA, and then next year, another $28,000, and you buy catastrophic insurance for the unanticipated automobile accident or uh, heart failure or something of that nature that you didn't uh, expect and, and came as a surprise, and that's it. That's the whole system of market-based medicine, and that's why I want to get the federal bureaucracy out of the doctor's chair, and I want to have patients control their healthcare spending. Prices will plummet if this process took place. And as a matter of fact, I know this is true because I've done a study in the book, Curing the Cancer in U.S. Healthcare. I actually show a comparison of what market-based prices look like, because we have concierge medicine, or you can call it direct pay medicine, whatever you want to call it. We have those right now in a very small amount, and so we can compare the prices of a hernia repair or a delivery of a baby in a market-based system to a insurance-based system, which is what we have now, the majority of people, and the average is between 20 and 40 percent, well, let's turn it around, 60 to 80 percent reduction in the price for a hernia repair or a uh, having a baby or a pneumonia or your vaccinations or whatever uh, you need. So we need to cut the cancer out and we need, and, uh, oh, you're going to ask me, so I'll just answer it right now. What is this state's care business? 
you know, uh, there is Obamacare and there's market, uh, uh, Medicare and there's Medicaid and all these programs. I want the people to decide what kind of system they want and need for their area and their purposes, not for the federal government to use one size fits all. There's a, an example in a book which, which I love to share with people. Montana, the state, and Rhode Island, the state, have the exact same number of people, a million residents. In Rhode Island, that's a million people in 1,200 square miles, and they have 5,500 doctors in that one state. And by the way, they have three world-class uh, trauma centers within 45 minutes drive of Providence, Rhode Island. Montana has a million people scattered among 145,000 square miles. They have 1,100 doctors scattered throughout that state. And the nearest major trauma center is in Salt Lake City, eight and a half hours away. My point, one size fits all, which is the way the feds force us to handle health care, is absolutely crazy if you compare those two states. Let Montana decide how to use its limited resources and let Rhode Island decide how its residents can get the care they need when they need it and not have the federal government tell them what to do. The logistics of changing to a market-based approach has its challenges. It's not like buying health care off of Amazon. Uh, there has to be things like price transparency driven by the market. The, the answer to that question is a little sort of twofold, maybe threefold. One, Washington, our federal, quote, representatives, end quote, congresspeople, will never voluntarily do what they need to do, which is to get out of the healthcare business at all. We, the people, have to, in our state legislatures, we, the people, have to talk to our state legislators and say, look, we want to control our health care, and we need to get you as a state to pass legislation that forces our federal government, the states in, in combination, for example, should do this. I mean, if, if um, Texas wants a market-based system, which I know they do, and California wants a single-payer system, which personally I think is a mistake, but be that as it may, let both of those states go to the federal government and say, we know what we want to do with our 39 or 29 million residents, uh, respectively, California and Texas, and don't tell us what to do. Leave us alone and give us our money back that we're currently giving you that you take a big percentage of and then give us back for health care, and we'll take care of ourselves. So we, the people, have to advocate at the state level to get our state legislators to change this thing. Second thing, you talked about transparency. Well, transparency is a great idea, except for the minor problem. The transparency, everywhere else in every market that we live in, we control the money. So if you want to go buy a sweater or you need a lawyer for services or a dry cleaning service, you see the prices of the services or goods, and it's your money. You decide, well, I want to spend X dollars, and I'm going to give it to that person or that facility. Now, even if we have transparency, as long as a third party is saying where our money goes, it's not going to lower prices. So while transparency is a good idea, you have to couple it 
with control of the spending, and the control has to be at the patient level, not at the federal level, and that's why I call it market-based medicine, because that's the market is where the patients decide where to spend their money and how much to spend. Another uh, issue of healthcare in the U.S. is not homogeneously distributed. There are world-class centers that are concentrated in certain regions, certain states, uh, where other states may not have that. Sure, and and is if you if your dollars go where, if you decide where your dollars go, and you live in North Texas, but there's a great facility in Oklahoma, you know, three hours away, you control the dollars. You go and go to Oklahoma and and talk to that center, vice versa. It doesn't matter where. Rhode Island's a great example. I train in Boston. In Boston, there are a number of great world class medical centers. If you live in Providence, Rhode Island, and you control your own HSA, and, and you've got uh, 28000 a year in there, so you've got fifty, sixty, eighty thousand dollars $80,000, or you're a Medicare patient, and Medicare paid you out the money that you paid in in the first place, which is what I think should happen, because, oh, by the way, Medicare is going to go broke, literally going to go broke in five years without fundamental change. Anyway, you go from Providence, Rhode Island, to Boston, which is a 45-minute drive, and take your money, and you go to uh, Harvard, and you say, hey, uh, I need a hernia repair. What's your price, and what are your results? Oh, Boston uh, University, I need a hernia repair. What are your prices and your uh, results? And, and watch what happens. Isn't this uh, something that would only benefit those who have the means to put into the savings account? Uh, yes. Okay, so that's exactly the big concern that people have is what about the people who have uh, pre-existing conditions or truly impoverished? Um, and the answer is safety nets. We can. There are a number of different forms of safety net. In the book, for example, I actually describe a market-based safety net where the state takes the money that's currently going into Medicaid, and most of which goes to insurance companies and not to the providers, takes that money, and instead of giving it to insurance companies, they, the state, funds an HSA for the impoverished residents of their state. They decide, the state decides what the level of poverty is, how much to put into that HSA. The financial models are actually in the book to show that this will work, that this will save the state money, will improve the access to care, both at the same time by simply getting rid of the federal control and the federal cancer and letting the people in their states decide what to do with their their money. And safety nets work well. I know this directly from my current state, which is New Mexico. We had a great safety net here. People with pre-existing conditions where, you know, they were spending twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year on care. They were getting good coordinated care until one size fits all destroyed the safety net. So I don't have a problem with the, the safety net issue and other people shouldn't either. They will get the care they need and the states decide where to spend the money. The other big player in this, of course, are the insurance carriers. Why would they decide to be a part of this and the consumers are deciding the prices? And okay, the answer to that question is they will be very unhappy 
with this approach, and they will fight it tooth and nail because this will dramatically reduce their profit margin. On the other hand, why should they be involved at all? Why should they, for example, offer catastrophic insurance? Because that's what the patients want, and that's what the patients will pay for. So somebody who says, okay, to hell with you, I'm going to get an insurance company. I'm going to get out of health care at all because I can't make a lot of money. Okay, so uh, company X does that and company Y does that. And meanwhile, the patients have money in their HSAs. They're looking for catastrophic insurance. And company Z goes, well, wait a minute. I could sell catastrophic insurance. Patients want it. I can make a profit on it, so I will sell catastrophic insurance. Well, what will happen is now the competition for our dollars, if we control the dollars, we the patients, not some federal uh, bureaucracy or uh, some health plan which currently controls the dollars. The overwhelming spender is the bureaucracy, either the insurance bureaucracy or the federal government directly. The point is, they have no incentive to rein in to reduce costs. There is no, there is no gain for them. They, they're paying themselves. Secondly, uh, I said it before and I, I'm going to say it again, over a trillion dollars a year goes to pay for federal bureaucrats, compliance officers, insurance agents, et cetera, et cetera, none of whom provide care. And I, as a physician, want those trillion dollars to pay for drugs or pharmacists or therapists or nurses or surgeons or me taking care of some baby with a hole in his heart. Uh, I want that trillion dollars to go for patient care, not to pay for bureaucrats. So you're asking, why is it so expensive? Well, if half of our healthcare spending goes to the bureaucracy, imagine if we didn't spend a trillion dollars on the bureaucracy. Look at that spending would put us right in in uh, line with the other major countries. If people want to learn more, where would you suggest they go? The, the answer is very simple. They should. It's very. The book is very cheap. It's called "Curing the Cancer in U.S. Healthcare, States Care, and Market-Based Medicine." It's the one with a white cover. There is a, actually a really cool audio version for those who like audio books. Of course, there's a Kindle version and there's a print version. And I encourage people to read this because if we, the patients, I like using that phrase, we the patients, if we the patients don't take charge, Washington will never, never, ever get us the care that we need. We, we, we know that we're experiencing that right now, and we need a system where we, the patients, are in charge of our money and our care. We don't have that now. We could have it, and if you read the book, you'll see how to get it. We were just talking with Dr. Dean Waldman, author of the new book, Curing the Cancer in U.S. Healthcare, States Care, and Market-Based Medicine. Dr. Waldman, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you. 
And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.